Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone of all ages, thank you for tuning in to the Big Hawk Podcast. It's that time of year again, Jeff. Yes, it is. Thank goodness. Let's talk about our sponsors. The first sponsor <coughs> Who do you is. Want to start with? Let's start with Stanfield Hunting. Let's get them out of the way. Let's go ahead. Stanfield Hunting, home of the Big Honker Podcast, home of the Big Honker Lodge, been in business for over 25 years. We pushing take, 30. Pushing 30. Uh, take care of you or anything. Got some deer hunting packages available. Uh, deer hunting, holler at me at 940-658-3172. Um, got some different packages we can do. We can do a kill fee on a hunt. We can do just deer package. We can do some family hunts for um, father and son, father and daughter, uh, two cousins, two kissing cousins, whatever you want to do. Around the Christmas time, if you want to take some kids on a hunt, anyway, it's nine four zero six five eight three one seven two. Perfect. Get out there, shoot that big deer. Let's talk about dive bomb. Oh my goodness, those dive bombs! The black and whites. I cannot wait to get my hands on that. That's the thing. I've been pushing for that. If you go back and listen to the very first time that you Asher sure came did. on the podcast, I said I need to ask you something off air and see if this is coming out. I was talking about the black and whites, people. I was talking about the black and whites. Two and a half years ago. You're a trendsetter. I'm, I'm fucking excited about these. I can't wait to get my hands on them. Low light days, snowy days, foggy days. If you're hunting traffic, if you're away from where the birds are, sight travels further than sound. Use black and whites to your advantage. I'm fucking excited for them. Everything that they got, it's just, it's perfect. The bags, the floaters, everything. The whole kit and caboodle. You can find everything you need at Dive Bomb Industries or go to their Instagram. They've got over 100,000 followers on Instagram now. They're killing it there. Dive Bomb Industries. I'm fucking excited for what they got going on. And in the morning time, start your morning off with some Dirty Duck Coffee. Dirty it, Duck Coffee. If Love it ain't. It. It, what, what's the old saying? If, it, if, if your, your coffee, coffee sucks, sucks, that bitch ain't the duck. Yep, and the code uh, Trump2020 will save you. Some green off at checkout. Uh, so go to dirtyduckcoffee.com. And if you buy, tell them that the Big Honker Boy sent you. Use the promo code TRUMP2020. Start your morning off right. Dirty Duck Coffee in your cup. It needs to go to the blind with you all season long. It's what's going to be in my thermos. I can tell you that. And, folks, right now we are going through a winter storm. If you're Thank up goodness. north and you got your water freezing up, there is no sense to not have an ice ripper. J2 Outdoors, 10% off Big Honker. There's no reason to not spend money to have a damn ice ripper. You're going to lease your land. You pay for the land. You pay for everything. Might as well have some open water. Try to prolong your season as long as it'll go. I mean, this is an early storm, so there's a lot of places that, uh, you know, it's going to get cold. The wind's going to die down. Water is going to lock up. You could be the person that's setting yourself apart in your area because you've got open water. And how do you get open water? You put a motherfucking ice ripper in it. It's simple. J2 Outdoors LLC. Use the promo code Jeff told you. Big honker. Saves you 10%. You keep your water open. You keep your hunting going. Simple. J2 Outdoors LLC. And if nothing else, they got a beautiful fucking t-shirt. Soft on your skin. It's got a cool ass duck on it. You can find that there too. Throw that in the cart when you get an ice ripper. Save 10%. J2 Outdoors LLC.com. And if you're going to be shooting some shells, ain't nothing better than the boss. Might as well get the money bag. That's that's uh, I love the money bag. Fill that bitch up, throw it in your hunting bag, and away you go. Bismuth, it's copper plated, it's all made in the United States. There's great people over there at Boss Brandon Sarecki, Meg Superzinski. Hadn't forgotten how to pronounce how, how to pronounce her last name, even though I can't talk right now. Uh, Lee Chos runs their Instagram page, it's beautiful. Uh, it's a great company that I am very, very proud to be uh, to say that I am a part of. 
like that they're in our corner and we're in theirs. They make an outstanding product. It only takes one. I love shooting bismuth. The 3-5 blend, that's what I'm shooting all, all season long. Threes and fives, beautiful. Little shorties, two and three quarter, can't go wrong. Nope, only takes one. Just hit the bird, they're dead. Best all stuff. It's like going back in the 70s and shooting lead. That's right. We're also brought to you by Gun Dog Outdoors. Take care of your four-legged friend this hunting season. You need a field trauma kit. You can save 20% by using the promo code 2020 on it. If you're just going to buy the field trauma kit, use the promo code TRUMP2020. That's 20%. Uh, Big Honker will save you 10% off of everything else that's on their website. I highly recommend you get a couple field trauma kits, one for the truck, one for the bag. Give your buddy. It'll be a great stocking stuffer, if uh, nothing else. And also the quick release system that they've got. It's patented now. It's patented. That's when. That's how you know it's good, when it gets a patent on it. Gundogoutdoors.com is where you can find everything that they've got going on. Um, if you're going to get something, get a field trauma kit because you can use it for anything. So, Gundogoutdoors.com. Love them. Also, we're brought to you by Foul Bandits. If you need some swag for this hunting season, go to FoulBandits.com. Use the promo code MIGRATION. Save yourself some money. You can get uh, hats, hoodies, trailer decals, almost anything that you want. You look good. You look good out in the field. You look good. You you feel good. You feel good. You play good. Play good. You get paid good. That's how it goes. Use the promo code MIGRATION at, feel, at FoulBandits.com. Uh, get all the good-looking apparel that you're going to need for this uh this hunting season. How about them boys over at Lucky Duck? How about them? Well, we're not boys. I guess we should say the ladies and the men over at Lucky Duck. Yeah. The best blind on the market, folks. People ask all the time, what blinds do you use? The two-by-four is the way to go. We can, we can run up to eight eight decoys on one remote. And Lucky Duck, you've got the, you got the dog box, five-star crash-rated dog box. Uh-huh. If your dog, if you have an accident and that dog's in that crash, you want a dog, that dog to be protected. Uh, heavy, heavy duty. It's everything but th- but the thief the but but thief proof, theft proof, theft proof. I think that's the word you're grasping. Yes, theft proof. It's everything but theft proof. It's the best best dog box on the market. They got the best blind on the market. And they got the best spinners on the market. That's Lucky Duck. LuckyDuck.com. Also, we're brought to you by Pacific Custom Calls. PacificCustomCalls.com. Uh, they got an outstanding promo code. It's BHP twenty five twenty five percent off of your order. Nobody else is doing that. No, no, no other call market, no other call company is doing that. Only the boys up at Pacific Calls. Uh, I like the 206. Uh, I like that little short little guy. I also like the 509. That's kind of a, that's a Canada call that can do everything. You can get low, you can get high, you can get fast with them. And I cannot stress to you enough, the PCD, their new duck call that they came out with just a couple weeks ago. Everybody acts like it's a long time ago. It's barely been around. The PCD is the best duck call that I have ever blown. It's versatile. It's easy to blow. For a single read call, it's very, very user-friendly. So go to Pacific Custom Calls, and if you're going to buy a call this year, if you're going to buy a duck call, I would recommend the Pacific Custom Calls PCD. And use the promo code BHP25. You save yourself 25% on that. It's a hell of a bargain. They're great guys up there. Love them very much. Also, if you're listening to podcasts, you you might want to check out the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Mr. Logan Pyatt and Rebel uh, put on a hell of a show. They have a bourbon review every week. A private Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. Well, what a fucking story that is. <laughs> private Snapchat, a voicemail. Uh, they aim to please up there at uh, the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. They're a lot of fun to listen to, though, all jokes aside. Um, they've got an interesting following, I would say, from talking to Logan 
hearing some of the shit that they've had on their voicemail. But uh, wherever you're listening to this one, you can check out theirs. Uh, just type in Looking Glass Duck Club, and there it'll be. For open-minded or like-minded people, check out the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. That's right. Uh, also, we're brought to you by 14 Cattle Company. Meet the difference with 14 Cattle Company. If you want a whole beef, half beef, quarter beef, eighth of a beef, whatever you want, it's right at about best six steaks, bucks a pound. Best steaks I've ever had. Get them, uh, you know, it's, it's right now hamburger meat, $7 a fucking pound. Well, you can get steaks, fillets, ribeyes, T-bones, hamburger meat, all for six bucks a pound. Uh, so check them out at 14cattlecompany.com, uh, and uh, you can meet the difference. They'll butcher it and get it to you. Put it in your freezer and chomp on it at your leisure. Last but not least, William and Chris Wines. When I'm eating that red meat from 14 Cattle Company, always got a glass of Skeleton Key. William and Chris Wines, you find them at the, uh, the Hoity Toity Supermarkets. Uh, it's Texas-made wine. They're great people over there at William and Chris Wines. Um, great people, great customers, and they make a hell of a product at williamandchriswines.com. Get it, and I believe that they'll ship it to you. <sighs> That's all the sponsors. We made it through. And on this episode of the podcast, we're joined by uh, Brad Bergen. He works for DU Canada, and we really have a good time talking to him about uh, everything that he does. He secures land for uh, for nesting ground for for ducks and geese up there in Saskatchewan, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun picking his brain. So give it up for him, Brad Bergen. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club and the Looking Duck Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. On the phone with us today, from Quill Lake, Saskatchewan, Mr. Brad Bergen. 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 God knew he was going to fuck something up. Brad, how are you doing? Fuck. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. You know, me and Andy had Thanksgiving dinner one time in Quill Lakes, little <laughs> town right by there. A, chi- right. a Chinese place. A there. Chinese place. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, every small town is a Chinese food restaurant up here. American Chinese food. Or no, what did it say? Was it Canadian and Chinese? Every one of them had the same slogan on the doors. Yeah, yeah. I know the – I probably haven't been to that one, but I know the, I know the type. It had uh, – there was a hotel right next to it, and uh, some TV show was, was staying there. That's right. There. They, had the big, they had the big trailer and all that stuff. Um, it was the Canadian Thanksgiving, and I'm telling you what, we were like the scene from A Christmas Story where they have the duck or the goose at the very end. That's how Jeff and I were. <laughs> Except they weren't singing raw, yeah. raw, raw to us. <laughs> so you live in Quill Lakes. What an interesting place to live. Now, when I when – I, Yeah, it's just uh, – Go ahead. Quills, yeah. Is that the shoveler nesting capital of the world? Uh, it certainly could be. There's lots of them around. I've never we seen so many shovelers. We get everything there was a shitload of shovelers when we were there. I mean, I've never seen that many shovelers. Really? You guys were here on Thanksgiving? 
We, yeah. We're, we're, you know, the Canadian Thanksgiving. When was that? In October, yeah, yeah, September? Yeah. It just happened. Yeah, early early October. Yeah. Yeah, we left there. So my oldest son was born October twenty fifth, and we left there October twentieth. So it was a week before. It was probably October fifth. When is y'all's Thanksgiving? Is it? change the date like ours does or is uh, it the same day yeah it changes the days but usually the second weekend of october is so, so. that'd be right we that's left the, the third week that lines right up for you that's right so now you work for canadian you work for du canada i do yeah yeah and what do you do there i do um i'm in charge of securing habitats so we have a few different programs we use whether it's uh just straight up buying land or, or signing conservation easements with landowners, which essentially is an agreement that the landowner can't break his grass or drain his water so that, you know, forever. So it's perpetual protection of that habitat. What what does land up there go for? Uh, where we work, it's, I would say, in the neighborhood of uh, like 120 bucks an acre or so. Wow. Wow. Oh, sorry, sorry, no, 1100 bucks an acre. Okay, okay. that's better. That's good. I think say, me and yeah. you're fixing to buy some. Like, you know what? I just came into a little bit of money somehow. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd be snapping it up, too. No, we're signing out. Uh, I was yeah. really, really considering, you know what? We're fixing to buy some property in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's still, uh, even compared to the provinces around us, it's still pretty cheap at 1100 so. Yeah. Well, around here, it's about 1500 or so. For irrigated land. Okay, yeah. yep. So, yep. so you're buying. So, so you go and you find a place that'll make good waterfowl habitat, and you go and you'll tr- yep. go to the farmer and try to negotiate a deal for DU Canada. Yeah, we typically uh, we don't generally knock on doors, but we typically you know we'll watch real estate sites, and also we have a lot of farmers that come to us with land that um, either they know that we buy land and they're looking for a quick sale, or maybe they want their pasture to be wildlife habitat long term. So. Um, a little bit of native pasture that's left. A lot of guys are, you know, they're pretty keen on keeping it as native pasture, so they like the fact that we're going to do that for them. Now, what's the criteria that you go by to decide whether or not you're going to want to be interested in a piece of land? Like whether or not it's going to be worth the investment to make this into a waterfowl habitat? Um, in a range of things. We we use computer model that predicts how many nesting pairs of ducks might be using that land. Um, so we're working in six or eight target areas across the province here that that just have more nesting habitat, and, and by that I mean potholes in general. Um, and that's where we try to work. So we're not spread out province-wide, but in the areas that we work in, we're, you know, we're, we're stacking up a lot of habitat in small areas, and that seems to be, um, seems to be a successful way of doing things. So. And now, I mean, so... What will you, will you, will you like, will you turn on irrigation and flood property? Do you just keep it to where it's preserved or is everything different? What's, what's, what's typical? uh, In the past we've done, we've done some projects in the past that were more influenced areas where we would actually, we'd run water into, into coders off of, uh, off of canals that fed our potash mines. But now, for the most part, what we're doing is upland projects where we buy the land, and if it's in cultivation, we'll see the pitting grass, the land where it's alfalfa and you know some clover and wheatgrass, and then we just let the wetlands do what they do, whether they're full um, on wet years or if they dry up, uh, which is kind of the cycle we're in right now in, in a lot of the province. But the theory is, uh, you know, kind of quantity 
quantity on years like this and over quality, and we have enough. I guess we're spread out enough that we still have a few a few wet projects too, and there's lots of. The basins are generally holding water in the spring when the birds get here, so it gives them a place to start at least. Yeah, and y'all are y'all are in a drying phase right now. You said. Yeah, I would say the bulk of the province is drier than it has been. We went through really really wet years from probably 2008 until 2018, and after 2018, it started to dry out. And uh, a lot of the basins that we were just used to holding water have dried out now, but uh, certainly. Certainly, you look at a basin where there's there's poplar trees that were alive 20 years ago that have flooded out, and they're still 10 feet into the sluice. So, you know, it's it's still higher than the long term than long term average, but uh, certainly drier than we're used to. So, um, I think I would say it's it's pushed a few ducks further north on us for sure. That was my next question: is if you've seen uh, uh, impact on the birds that are around? Yeah, I would say. A lot, uh, a lot more ducks are going further north than where I work, at least. Uh, when I started at DU, we had, a, I mean, every every slough held water pretty much all year. We never used the birds on it. Now we're at the point where the wetlands that are holding water still keep ducks, but there's more. I would say there's more breeding activity going on further north. We always joke that you kind of watch the coots and see what the coots are doing, and certainly. Uh, coots aren't stopping for us anymore. They're going for the north, so. <laughs> so coots are coots are a they predictor, huh? Yeah, they seem to know where there's going to be water in August. So, now, uh, do do you ever see big flocks of coots migrate? Flying, flying. I mean, I know they fly because you know, they don't walk. But we talk about that all the time, and I've never. I don't know if I've ever seen a coot fly more than forty yards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so the the myth here is they bury into the mud in the winter and hibernate. So they have to. Um, I know it's it's crazy, but uh, I've never seen them fly. I don't know where they. I don't know how they can or where they go or if they do it at night. But it's a mystery to me. And I don't know of anybody. Like uh, you know, we, we talk to people from around the world, and I don't know of anybody that has ever seen a coot migrating a flock of coots but i know we wake up to, and we have I'd love them here to put a collar on one and watch it yeah yeah that 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 needs to be the next uh banding project is coots let's see let's put a geo tracker on them and see what they do see what they do i know it's uh it's wild so uh, when did but, you start yeah with, we used that lot i started with DU in 2015 2015 so you've been there going yeah. on five years what yeah. uh what what made you want to do this um you know, I, I always knew about DU. I would say that they weren't necessarily what I had in mind when I started school, but uh, when I got out, I saw that this job was available, and you know, it seemed pretty interesting, so I applied and, and loved the interview, and you know, it's kind of, I guess, it's all it's all history now, but that's, it just kind of went from there, and it's been great. I love it. The, I was, I've hunted ever since I was, I mean, I've been going hunting with my dad and my cousins for for years and years, and, and obviously started bird hunting as soon as I could at 12, so uh, it's kind of been a, a passion of mine for a long time, so it's worked out well. Where did you grow up at? I grew up in a little town called Drake, which is also just west of the Quills, so. So you're, you're a local boy then, right there? I'm local, yeah. I work out of Saskatoon now, um, but but pretty much local, so. Makes it makes I would say it makes the job a little easier knowing some of the farmers, uh, or at least having a background in the area. I can 
I can relate really well to them, and I know I know some of them from from playing hockey and all those things. So it's worked out well that way. Now, what did you get your degree in? I have a I actually just have a diploma in environmental engineering technology. So it's I would say it's loosely related to to BU's work, and I think it it was just related enough to catch their attention, and and from there things fell into place. But uh, probably not the typical typical schooling that we hire for, but uh, Actually, ever since I started, we fired a few more people out of that program. So it's now, luckily enough, I'm a trendsetter. Yeah. <laughs> now, is it Regina or is it Regina? Regina. Regina, like a vagina. Well, that's what I've heard too. But then I've heard other people say Regina. So I've, I was going to get no Regina. Yeah. Yeah. The, the joke was yeah, it's Re- a tough one to forget. Well, yeah, you would figure, but then you hear other people say Regina, and you're like, no, it's it's Regina, like vagina with an R. That's what I said. We went to yeah. Bo- we were in Boston this week. And we was going to go to Regina's Pizza, and I asked for Regina Pizza. I said, "Where's Regina's Pizza oh, place? Yeah. Where's Regina's box at?" You know, and yeah, and look at you like you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna change it up just a little bit. Get off the ducks for a minute. You're a Canadian, so do you watch Canadian football? We do. Yeah. Are they, are they playing? Uh, are they playing right now? No, they canceled the whole season, Ooh. and it's uh, it's been. A, I would say the first. Their season generally kicks off in late June. Training camps open in May, and it was a tough adjustment not having in Saskatchewan it's the Rough Riders yeah. uh, that we all cheer for. And um, it was a tough adjustment not having Rough Rider football around for the summer. That's for sure. The fall, it's been kind of—I wouldn't say it's been nice, but it's definitely allowed us to. We don't feel bad not being in front of a TV or driving to Regina for a football game instead of instead of hunting. So it's kind of been nice that way. But um, so do you know what's strange that. Do you not watch American football? No, no, I uh, I follow the NFL fairly close. Do I? Years and years ago, I won a Giants jersey, and I got suckered into being a Giants fan, so we're suffering right now. <laughs> um, yeah, you're in a perpetual two or three years of rebuilding. It seems like. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So, and been tough, but losing Saquon didn't didn't help your matters any there either. It didn't help us any, and. Uh, yeah, I think Daniel Jones could be a half decent quarterback if he had some talent around him. Yeah, like who's he's he, who's he throwing the ball to? Sterling Shepard? That's that's your yeah, number one. Yeah, you know, Slayton looks like he'd be a decent decent receiver, but it's tough when you're the only one there, and none of them can stay healthy. So yeah, nobody nobody can. And then uh, Evan Ingram, what a disappointment he's been. Like you look oh. at that guy, and he should just be he should be racking up the yards and the touchdowns, but he's not. Yeah, I know he should be awesome. But he can't. He can't make a simple catch the other night. Even <laughs> the funny, funny thing is, if they can win five games, they might win that division. So yeah, that's exactly uh, right. If they can win five or six the games, not that high. No, no, five or six games, and you'll be the NFC East uh, champion. Exactly. Yeah, I know. It's. Uh, so did he say what team he was? Giants. Oh, you're a Giants fan. Jeff had to go step outside. Yeah. We're in the middle of an ice storm right now, and there are limbs like literally snapping off everywhere around us. And one just sounded like it went through the oh, building, really? and so I had one look. And yeah, it's it one. I don't know if you heard it or not, but it sounded like it just came through the window. And Jeff went and looked, and nothing. But anyways, you're a Giants fan. It's gonna be a long year, but you're still in the middle. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a long few years, I think. They, I don't think Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback. And I don't think Saquon Barley is Barkley is worth what they're going to have to pay him to keep him, but they've got to go. They've got to go get some linemen. They need some linemen. I mean, they just you know I think they got a decent wide receiver in Slayton. I was just saying to Andy and 
Um, but yeah, they need, and the defense is, is frisky enough too, but they need, they need some linemen in the worst place. So. Yeah. Evan Ingram, I would yeah. not give him a fifth year option, and I'm sure they're not going to. I'm sure they're going to cut no, with him. No. He's been a big And like you say, I think, I think Saquon could, uh, could be an issue for sure when it comes time to pay him. So now, as a Canadian Football League fan, who, who's y'all's big star up there? Uh, well, for us in Saskatchewan, our big star would be Cody Fajardo. He's our he actually he just started at quarterback here. Well, the last year we played, and he he turned into a star over the course of years. So he'd be our big star. I mean, across the league, there's a few pretty. Pretty big name quarterbacks. Bo Levi Mitchell is, is Calgary's quarterback, and he's been around for a long time. He's, I mean, we hate we hate the Stampeders for the passion, but uh, <laughs> well, but if, know, if a guy's a big star up there, does he migrate to America to try to be play football here? Yeah, like, I mean, Bo Levi's contract was up. I think that would have been in twenty eighteen after the twenty eighteen season, and he. He looked for a contract in the States for a long time, and I think it was a matter You know, he maybe could have got signed down there, but it would have been sitting on a practice roster, so I think he just decided to come back and, and start here, which I guess if you want to play, that's the way to go. But certainly we see a, like we see a lot of linebackers leave for leave for NFL rosters. Do, you, do, the, be, do the high school players in Canada, do they play by y'all's rules, or do they play like American football rules? No, they play Canadian rules. So what, what is and it? And then the – 80-yard field? What are the, the field's uh, 100, different? 110-yard 110 field, and I, it's wider than your guys' field, too. I think it's 65 yards wide. And a guy can – three downs. Yeah, they got three mm-hmm. downs, and you can be in motion and run. You don't have to – you can get a head start running off the line. Right. Yeah, you got the waggle behind the, behind the line and 12 men on the field as well. So it's I, – I think – when the guys come up from down there, or from yeah, from down there, especially they they find it hard to do, hard to adjust for the first little while. And we see some guys that, um, even receivers especially have a hard time adjusting to the waggle. It seems like up here a lot of them come up with you know fancy resumes, but they just don't stick here because because they can't adjust. What I don't understand is why the fuck anybody would fuck with American football rules. Just play up there the same damn game. <laughs> well, you gotta. Separate. I know it's the greatest the greatest sport in the world. And I don't understand why anybody would change it up. I mean, it's got the biggest fanfare. Because when I watch Canadian football, which I do sometimes in June and July because there's not American football on, yeah. I watch it because it's football. But I've always wondered, why don't they just play American rules? Just... Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I guess it's – To be different. To be different. But, yeah. So, um, we'll switch back to hunting. Or actually, your Rough Riders, that's the team to beat up there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we were – they played well here. Finished first last the last time that we played, I guess in twenty nineteen and um unfortunately lost in the West in the West final, so they didn't make it to the Great Cup or did a final game, but um but they seem to be they've kinda of went back and forth, but they seem to be on a fairly fairly strong trajectory right now where I think I think if if Fajardo's not just a flash in the pan and turns out to be the quarterback in the future, I think they're in good shape for for quite a while for sure. Yeah, it seemed like we were there in 2014, and that they were the powerhouse then. Yeah. Like they were the team to beat. So. Yeah, 14, 14. They were rolling, and then we lost a quarterback, and uh, and we went through we went through a few uh, went through a few years there where we were five and thirteen. Quiet. 
same issues that uh, we have in American football. No quarterback, no wins. You better hang on to that yeah. quarterback. You know, the Cowboys, they, they're no telling. They might snipe them. <laughs> we might lose them, yeah. <laughs> they're in rough shape, eh? Holy smokes. The, the Cowboys? Oh, it's yeah. Pure, yeah. Gr- pure greatness down here. We're not Cowboys yeah, no, fans. No, you're a Packer fan, eh? Yeah, I'm a Packer fan, and then Jeff's he's a Redskins fan, so you'll have to excuse him. I like yeah, the Redskins well. and the Chiefs. Okay, we're going to go back to hunting now. Question. Sure, yeah. Have you noticed a lot less pressure with no Americans up there hunting? Uh, no comparison. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a throwback to, I would say, 10 years ago when I really started hunting birds hard. Like, it's night and day comparison, and I would say the birds have been dumber, too. Yeah. Um, for sure. Do you I think- mean, we've seen... We've seen some Quebec plates and some Ontario plates, but by and large, it's it's been local hunters and and just no pressure. Do you think Americans get to come back up there next year? Oh, I mean, so I don't think they're going I mean, to. How, how do you, how do you know? Like, I think. Uh, well, I sure hope all this COVID nonsense is cleared up a little bit by then, and the border reopens. I think the COVID you know. deal will be, but I don't think that the border will be open to Americans like it has been to come up there and hunt with guns. It's my personal opinion. I think that the Canadian government does not really care for the American hunter. The Canadian people would love to have us up there. They need the dollars. It's killing the yeah. economy. But I, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think it'll be like it was before. You know, I think, I mean, we don't, I personally don't care for the Canadian government. Right now, that's for sure. I think we're on the same page there. I would say the provincial government in Saskatchewan would do everything they can to welcome American hunters back. So um, we actually just had a provincial election last night, and they got another four years now. So Trudeau did. I think no, no, our provincial provincial government here in Saskatchewan provincial, um, like their governor, right, 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 right. which is which is considerably more conservative than than Trudeau. So. they're they're going to do everything they can. Like, I'm I'm sure they can't ignore the the dollars that come in in the fall from from American hunters. So I would be surprised if they weren't allowed back in. Honestly, okay. My next, I don't I don't but, I don't see Americans not being allowed to hunt up here. My next question: Do has there been an American get caught up there for busting over the border yet? <laughs> there has to be someone that's done it. I, I mean, I thought I thought if you were a farmer on the border and you could find a way to smuggle guys in, they'd make a killing this year. Well, yeah. I know but a guy. I haven't heard. I haven't heard of anyone that's gotten busted. See that that that's kind of surprising because I, I could see this good old Southern boy that goes to Canada every year just fucking going 120 across the border or making a tunnel or something. Well, guys got oh, a whole lot of money. Wouldn't care hiring a coyote from Mexico to <laughs> figure it out on Canada. Yeah. I thought. I thought you'd stand on the border and wave at a combine to come pick you up on the other side. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, all you got to do. But yeah, I yeah, I mean, like, I thought for sure somebody would find their way in because, like, if for the poor guy that, or for the one guy that could have got in, it would have been hunting like you wouldn't believe. Like, um, So it's been that good this year? I would, I would say it's been that much. It's been noticeably easier. Like, for us, the last few years, if we wanted to find a field to hunt in, we had to start looking a few days ahead of time, and, and this year, if we wanted, you know, if we decided on a Friday we wanted to hunt Saturday morning, we'd just go for a drive and for an hour or two Friday evening and find ourselves a hunt and, and go and text the farmer. And, and there was no competition. They, you know, we just get text back a few minutes later saying, yeah, go for it. And, and that was all there was to it. So, mm. um, whereas we've been used to, 
you know, maybe going through two or three fields before before we get permission because they're all spoken for. So even even on good years, there's not that many quality hunts around. So you get to the point where it's just not worth it and, and stuff. But but no, this year's been awesome. The the people in town like it. Uh, that little town we ate at was called Winding or something. Is that the name of a town right south of the lake there? Fuck! Don't give me that. Uh, Winding. Watson or Winyard, maybe. Winyard. Winyard is Winyard. where we ate at. Winyard. Yeah. Those yep. little towns are, are the hotels just plain empty right now. Yeah, I would say they're a lot emptier than they they have been for sure. Like, I think we've had we've had a few a few out of province hunters come. You know, guys from like I said before, Ontario or Quebec that have stayed over, but. But nothing, nothing like it has been. And I know I've talked to a few of the small town restaurant guys too, and they've said it's been it's been a real quiet fall. So uh, a lot of them aren't a lot of them aren't open even full time. They're just doing takeout and stuff, and that's that's all it's been. Now, is Saskatchewan is it the province in Canada to hunt in? I mean, I'm biased, but I would say it's as good as anywhere for for birds, at least. Right yeah. now, I think Alberta, Alberta is good too, but I would say Saskatchewan and Alberta are the two that I would, I would say. Yeah, we, we, I mean, just look at it from a number standpoint. Do more hunters come to Saskatchewan, or they go to Alberta? Oh man, well, I guess I, I can't speak from a whole lot of experience because I've never been, I've never bird hunted in Alberta. But if Alberta gets more than us, they're overrun because we get lost. So. Uh, I would say I would say Saskatchewan is probably probably number one. That would be my guess, at least. Yeah. Well, that that that'd probably be my guess too. Um, yeah. And is is all? It seems like all of the province of uh, Saskatchewan has good hunting. Is it, can the same be said for Alberta, or is it kind of spotty? You have to be on a certain spot of it, certain place. Yeah, I would. I think Alberta. It's probably the east half of the province. Right. So once you get into the rock, once you get into the mountains, it wouldn't be quite so good. Saskatchewan, I mean... It's all know, prairie. Birds on the west. Yeah, it's all prairie. You get birds on the west side of Manitoba and the east side of Alberta and, and right through everything in Saskatchewan. So I would say there's nowhere in Saskatchewan that on the, in the third week of September you couldn't find a decent bird hunt if you drove around for a few hours. Yeah. Now, are, so yeah, do, do you try to field hunt more or do you try to get on the water? I actually this year I haven't hunted water once. It's been like I said before, with the dry weather we've had, uh, at least the area I hunt has been tough to tough to water hunt. We haven't had a, most of the potholes are dried up, so um, I try not to hunt the roofs through the big water, and and it's just been easier to hunt the fields. So God so bless that's you. what we've done. Mm-hmm. I like to hunt the water. You know, if you can, especially it seems like if you can finally get duck duck pond up here, it's almost a guarantee. Yeah, it's easy. You're smack in the water. Yeah. It's easy, and I like getting the dog out in the water, too, so um, I kind of missed that this fall, but but no, it's just been way easier hunting fields, so that's what we've done. Well, you know, we, we talked about this on the last podcast. We we were talking about, uh, you know, you don't have to have the equipment to water hunt. Uh, you can back up, and a lot of times there's natural cover around the water, so you can just back up into some reeds. And so you got your decoys. You need 12 or 18 of them, and you don't even have to take a blind. Whereas field hunting, yeah, you know, you got to have more equipment. You got to have a blind. You got to have a way to hide. You got to have more decoys. So water, it's just easier for guys to have successful water hunts. Yeah, no, I if I could choose 
one or the other, I would throw, like you say, that dozen decoys out and a couple spinners and, and stand in the cattails and, you know, you shoot your, shoot your eight greenheads if you're picky and, and head home. So I would take that any day, but, uh, just like I say, it's been far easier to find field hunts this fall and, and that's what we've done. And it's been, it's been a solid fall for sure. Has it been just massive, massive feeds whenever you're out scouting or, or is it, uh, smaller smaller bunches in the fields this fall for me and i don't know if this is i don't know why it is but i've had a harder time finding massive canada feeds this year we've i mean the snow goose snow goose numbers around here have just been out of this world and i haven't hunted a field yet that didn't have probably ten thousand birds in it the night before and wow. um you know just just awesome snow goose numbers canada's have been weird i actually have my eye on a field I've been hoping, I'm hoping to hunt maybe tonight even. That's probably got a couple thousand Canada still in it. But um, but they've been tougher for some reason, at least around this part of the world. Uh, but but I've talked to other guys that have had tremendous Canada hunts too. So, so they're around. It's just been, been a little tougher finding them here. What about for ducks? Have you seen a lot of ducks in fields? No. I've seen... I saw one... I mean, just world-class duck field a few weeks ago. And I pulled into the yard. It was people that we really didn't know. I pulled into the yard and asked if we could maybe hunt there in the morning. And they humped the cod for a long time and said, well, you know, those birds all mate for life. So it'd be far too sad if <laughs> if you shot one and not the other. So, so the best duck hunt I've seen in probably three or four years was a no-go because they made for life. So, Oh, my God. You told him you'll shoot both of them. <laughs> yeah, I'll shoot both of them. It won't even be a problem. Well, I know. We left the yard, and you're just shaking your head like, oh, man. I, I would have never guessed if we drove into there 100 times over, I would never guess that would be the reason you wouldn't get to hunt there. But, um, but no, mainly, mainly shot Canada's in fields this year, and it's been a good year for that. So, I've okay. never Thank heard that. I've never heard that as an excuse to not let you hunt. No, they make for life. Wow. Yeah, that was the excuse. Un- unreal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you, you know, you you say you you have that smart ass comment of, well, I'll shoot both of them. But whenever they say that, like that 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 puts you on your heels a little bit. Like you can't you can't think. You, I mean, oh, I know. That was like, I mean, I just want to start laughing. Yeah, I mean, all the all the yeah, all know. the rebuttals. That is not one that I think is coming. No. No, you're not ready for that one. So I guess next time somebody tells me that, I'll be ready. But yeah, but yeah. I just drove off the yard laughing that time because <laughs> what a story. <laughs> now, are y'all uh, are y'all completely locked up, water wise? I would say eighty percent locked up. We've. I don't think I can remember a year where we've been locked up this solid this early. But uh, I mean, we woke up to an inch and a half of of pretty wet snow in the driveway here this morning, even so it's. I did see one flock, of, you know, big flock of snow still, still flying around here, but it's down to down to the top Canada's and ducks. But you know, a lot of the guys that are from the north than me are still seeing good bird numbers. So I, I'm hoping there's a few birds left to come through. But but certainly, we have enough big water, big lakes around that uh, they're not locked up at all yet. So there's there is still water to roost on, but it's getting getting to be fewer and far between. And I would think the hunting is going to be best, you know, closer to those big those big lakes before too long yeah it definitely seems early i mean that that that's yeah, for sure. oh yeah you know we've got we've got I, they call it a snow day here 
really? which is the earliest that they've ever called a snow day in Texas. But yeah, we've got ice and we've got snow and the weather, the roads are just a mess right now. Um, highs, yeah, I mean, high's not going to get exactly. above freezing today. So, um, yeah, earliest I've ever seen it by a long shot. Now, how yeah, much... we had wind chills of minus ten Ooh. here, like mm. we were waking up to. So just brutal. When, when, but it, it is getting it's better now. So when's your season end? Uh, bird season. Yes, it goes till like early December. Ooh. But realistically, realistically, you lose. I mean, we don't have any birds left usually by the second week of November. We do have some of the potash mines. We have potash mines pretty close to us here, and their tailings ponds are salty enough that they don't freeze over. So they'll hold a few birds um, right through the winter even. So if you can find the field that those birds are sitting on, you can actually have some pretty decent hunts right right till the end, but it's you're chasing the same birds every day if you want to do that. I'm assuming all mallards will be left. Yeah, mallards and big Canada's, yeah. They a pain in the ass to get to do anything with. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're after the first couple of months, they're pretty smart. The good thing is, you know, if they find a field they like and you can set up in it, you know, watch them for a couple of days and set up in it. They generally just come right, right back there. So, uh, and don't look twice before they come in. So, so sometimes you can, you know, you can whack them pretty hard, but, but for the most part, they're pain. And if it's, if it's cold, I don't know. I don't, I don't get too excited about getting up when it's. You know that minus ten to put out decoys, and and usually they don't fly until a couple hours after daylight. So they got to warm themselves up. So you're sitting there in the cold for a long time before you actually shoot a shot. And it's kind of I don't know, not my favorite kind of hunting. So so my season will be over here in the next few weeks. But do you, uh, do y'all do any banding projects around there? We shoot next to no bands. No, I no. Think. Do y'all band birds there? Like no, like no. No, um, any wildlife service doesn't bit of banding, but but DU doesn't. So, what were the what were the nesting habits like? The or uh, nesting results this year? You think good or bad? I would say they were. I think they were. I think they were quite quite good. Um, it's tougher for me to to speak on that just because, like my area, has, I would say nesting activity was down quite a lot in my my target area I guess where I work just because like I said before our wetlands are lower than than a lot of the other places in the province so I think a lot of birds went further northeast especially they got a lot of rain and water northeast and anytime I drove around up there there was I mean you saw lots of birds and and nesting activity seemed to be great you know results seemed to be great so um, we had good grass fairly early on in those parts of the province too so they could hide and and uh, I suspect the success was was quite good. I tell you what, I love that area up there. I was we we stayed around uh, Carrot River one, for two seasons, and oh yeah, man, I tell you what, just seeing the bears and the moose and the elk and deer and all the white, just what a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, Carrot River is beautiful up there for sure. That's uh, it's tough to beat. And that whole area is just beautiful. Everything I just enjoyed the whole the whole thing up there. People were friendly and nice and. That's why Americans like coming up there to go hunting. It's outstanding. There's game everywhere. The people are nice. People are friendly. It's it's a shame yeah. that some people take advantage of that and do not appreciate, and they take advantage of the farmers. But what a what an awesome place. Yeah, and for the most part, you know, like you say, we have a few guys that, that take advantage of things, but um, for the most part, guys are able to 
get along pretty well and everybody enjoys themselves. So I know the few times that I've I've hunted with guys from down there, everybody says the same thing. It's just you know, it's it's awesome to go out for anything scouting and see a couple of moose and some white tails and some mule deer and, and a bear too if you're lucky and it, yeah. It's uh we're pretty lucky up here, that's for sure. Now, were you kind of relieved whenever they said that there would be no Americans going up there? Like, did you kind of know that, hey, this is going to be a really good quality year. hunting year for me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel bad. I feel bad saying it, but for sure. like Selfish. I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah, talked, obviously, but, I you know, selfishly, to, deep I down. Talked to lots of, oh, yeah, I mean, selfishly, it was awesome. And I talked to lots of guys that said the same thing, like, a lot of local hunters up here, you know, unless you're really gung-ho to get going and shoot local birds the first couple of weeks before most of the guys get here, um, a lot of local bird hunters up here have actually taken a step back just because it's not worth the the fight and we're just not used to used to having to deal with all that pressure and finding fields when it's, it's tough to find a field that's not spoken for already. So a lot of the guys up here have, have taken a step back, especially after the after the guys from down south start showing up because it's just, it's too tough to, to compete. And, and we're still, you know, most of us are still working normal jobs, whereas those guys are up here purely to hunt so they can scout and really right. go hard. Whereas, um, where we're racing out for an hour or two after, after work. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was the whole summer was exciting. And we, of course, you don't know, you don't know if the board is going to open back up, but I mean, the writing was on the wall that it wasn't. And, and I spoke to a few guys, especially snowgoose hunters that were beefing up their spreads a little bit because it was kind of, you know, everybody figured it was going to be that, that one year where we were going to be able to, to really, really hammer. And I don't think it's disappointed. It's been pretty great. And that, 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 that's kind of, you know, it's kind of weird to, to think that, that, you know, guys that are from Canada don't get to hunt because so many people come up there and, you know, like you said, most guys are up there for five days or a week and that's all that they do. So guys that actually live there don't have an opportunity to get out and scout and do the road work that they need to do because, you know, everybody that's flocking to these places get, you know, they, they get such a leg up on it. I figured he had free, I figured you had free range is what I figured. I figured, well, a local guy. Before this year? No, no, yeah, I still would think that the local guy would get on no problem. I figured if you lived in a little small town in Canada and you waterfowl hunted, that you had all the farmers on speed dial, and they'd say, well, yeah, you can hunt, but let me find out if my buddy wants to hunt first. And So I was kind of surprised that you had to deal with getting fields two and three days out also. Yeah, I know. Uh, I would say it's the opposite. And, it, you know, a lot of the guys that come from down there have done it right for a long time where they get to know farmers. Some of them camp on their yard or even stay in their, maybe they have a ranch house or whatever they stay in. And, and it's actually where they say, well, I'd let you hunt, but my, but my group from Arkansas or wherever is coming up and I'd like to save my field for them in right. a few days here. So, and then, you know, we run into another issue where guys, guys start getting turned down for fields and they start to panic a little bit. So they book two or three fields and only hunt one of them. So that, you know, we have a lot of fields that you could have hunted, but they sit empty because somebody spoke to the to the farmer three days ago and said they might want to hunt it in a couple of days. So it's uh, that part is frustrating. And and if we could change one thing, it'd probably be like just just book the field you want to hunt. And if you're not going to hunt it, call the farmer back that evening and, and say, yeah, we're going to hunt somewhere else so somebody else can hunt that field. But 
you know, I understand why people do it because you want to lock up something for the next the next couple of days. So, well, yeah, it's I, tough, but. I understand that, I guess, but still, that sucks for everybody else. You know, and <clears throat> then what sucks is when you drive by scouting the next day, say you didn't find anywhere, and then you drive oh. past that field and nobody's in it. And you're like, what the fuck? Yep. Yeah, and that happens all the time. Like it's, you know, you just want to beat your head against the steering wheel. Yeah. There's three thousand birds sitting there, and you talk to the farmer the night before, and oh no, no, somebody's going there the next morning, and there's nobody within three miles of it. So, do you th- and go ahead? Yeah, no, I mean, long run, if the guy called the farmer back and somebody sat in that field, you might even have a better than the next morning because somebody'd shoot those birds off and they'd come looking for a new field and come to you. So, um, you keep those birds bouncing a little bit. Sometimes it makes for a better hunt for everybody, but. But no, we we definitely lose a lot of lose a lot of opportunity to people booking more than one field, and it's it's pain for sure. Do you think that guys are like setting fields so that they can go from one field one day to the next to the next to the next, or do you think that they're for just sure. like calling mass calling anybody that's got a bird in their field? I would say it's it's a little bit of both. I think there's definitely definitely some guys that are booking fields two three days in advance. I mean, I don't, those guys, I don't necessarily blame them if they're going to hunt. You know, they're only here for five days and they find a great field, but they have another one for tomorrow and they can hunt the next one two days from now. I can understand that, but but when you're booking three fields every day, it's yeah, that's a little tough. And there's, there's some of both for sure. So, you know, it is what it is. But like I say, there's, uh, this year, this year it's been awesome not having to deal with that for sure. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, you know, you wish these uh, you wish these businesses well, but at the same time, you know, selfishly, you know, you've 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 been able to a lot of pe- not just you, a lot of guys that don't even bother with the rush have got to go back out and maybe reignite their passion for waterfowl hunting or hunting yeah. in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you know, for me, it's it gets a little tough because you got you got whitetail and mule deer archery seasons running at the same time, so it's like, well, I could. You know, I could go fight the rush for for a bird field, or I can just jump in the truck and go go chase mule deer or whitetails tomorrow morning. And if that's the choice, and and I know I can do do one of them and not the other, I mean, I might as well go deer hunting. So, so this year has been been nice having the having the option to just race out and find a bird field. Or if I'm looking for deer, I just text the guy, and if I see a good field, and and hunt geese the next morning. So, um, yeah, pretty sweet. Are there a lot of big deer running around your neck of the woods? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I would say it's, it's not as good as it was three years ago. We've CWD has started to take a bit of a hold in Saskatchewan, but, um, so they've loosened up seasons and, and made for, a, uh, they're, they're offering a few more rifle tags, but, but yeah, we still got lots of big deer around, especially mule deer. Now, why is it, why has the quality gone down from three years ago? Just because of the drought? Uh, no, I think, uh, CWD, like chronic wasting disease. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's starting to take hold, so the government is they're offering more liberal license opportunities. So just some of those, some of those big bucks that we were seeing a few years ago when there was only say seventy tags in a in a wildlife management zone. Now there's 110, so some of them have just got gotten killed. But there's still, I mean, we can't complain about about quality of deer because there's still lots of lots of big bucks out there if you're willing to look. So. Have you personally seen a deer with uh, chronic wasting disease? Yeah, yeah. I had a 
I had a hunting buddy shoot a, a small mule deer buck. I don't know, maybe that was four or five years ago, and we found the thing. And I mean, we didn't know what it was at the time, and he got it tested, and it was CWD. But this, like, it was nothing like like nothing I'd ever seen. It was like a a hide draped over a skeleton. Like it was, there's nothing left of this. So really, it was pretty. It was pretty gross. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't even touch it for him. But you know, luckily for him, it was only there's something only 100, 120 pounds of deer there. And he, he hook, picked so. it up. He touched it and everything. He he dragged the antlers out oh. and threw it in his truck. And I think he took it straight to the to the conservation offices and they they looked at it and threw it in their pit. And I think that was it. But um, I don't but think yeah, people like can was, get it. Yeah, but still, you don't want to fucking muck around in that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know that people can get it, but I, they also don't know that people can't get it. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> I would. I'd rather. I wouldn't want to hammer down on it. <laughs> yeah, no, no shit. exactly. So yeah. How is yeah. that transmitted among deer? Is it the saliva? Saliva, yeah. But uh, I'm no expert, but it, I know that the prion it's prion transmitted. So I know that that prion can live in in tame in tame forage, or I guess any any forage the deer are eating. Um, I know it's bad so, news. It'll wipe out a herd quick. It's bad. It's bad, bad news. And it doesn't disappear. Like, it, it, it lives in a, you know, somebody's somebody's cutting hay that a CWD-infected deer has been in, and it gets transported 10 miles over to somebody else, and another deer eats that hay. I think my understanding is they can catch it that way, too. So it's bad news, and uh, it doesn't seem to be, I mean, I would say the problem is, at this point, it's probably... We can probably slow it down, but I don't think they're going to stop the disease until, unless they can find a cure for it. But I mean, what, how easy. how would you administer a cure, even if you found one? Well, that's I, I really don't. I have no idea. So um, they kill it's every a scary, freaking deer. It's a scary, yeah. yeah, it's a scary thing for a, a whitetail hunter, or a mule deer hunter, or, or even a moose and elk hunter to, to think about because uh, there's certainly there's zones that used to be real trophy zones in Saskatchewan where it's it's tougher to find big bucks anymore. And if you do happen to find a big bucks, like you're up around that 40, 50% CWD infection. So you're like one every two deers. So mm. It's, uh, it's getting, it's getting a little scary in parts of the province. And other parts aren't, aren't so bad yet, but it seems like everywhere has the occasional case. So does, does anybody know, has, has this ever come around before or is this brand new territory? I, I think they've in? had it forever. You think so? Yeah. As long as I've been yeah, alive, they've I, talked about it. Oh, well, that's comforting then. That's 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you hear lots of, you hear lots of different different stuff about it, but I think the end of the, the moral of the story is it's not good news for, no, for deer. No, so. nothing at all. And it goes, you said it can go to elk and moose and everything else also, huh? Yeah. I think cattle yeah. too, any hoofed animal. I don't know about I don't know about cattle. I think it's a I think CWD is a, a wild cervid disease, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure about that either. Well, you're in that business, so we're going to take your word on it because <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> well, borderline. <laughs> so uh, you, you're you're a couple weeks away from basically your season being over, and then uh, you can't and come then to America and come hunting. Can't come to America. We got that bad boy shut down. So you'll deer hunt yep. just just the rest of the time. When's your deer season close? Uh, well, our mule deer, mule deer archery season is the one that you can actually, you can hunt that every year without getting a special, a draw tag. So that goes from September 1st, October 31st. I killed a deer here 
mid-September. So I've kind of been down with them for a while now. Um, our whitetail season ended October 14th, and then it picks up again with the rifle season in November on the 15th. So we're we're running baits right now, and we're not having a whole lot whole lot of luck finding a good buck to to chase. But certainly we'll we'll be trying in November. But that's uh, before long, it'll just be coyote hunting and ice fishing. So I shoot a moose. Yeah, can you shoot a moose? Uh, yeah, moose season. Well, we don't. I don't try real hard for moose, but uh, I think archery season is like the twentieth to the twenty fifth of September. So nice. Pretty early in the mid. They're in the rifle season in October, but I'm just not sure what those dates are. Mm-hmm. Most guys, I mean, there is guys that hunt on a regular tag, but by and large, it's people that are hunting on draw tags for moose in the farmlands. So, what's well, a good eating animal? And then, oh yeah, elk too. And elk, elk season's been over for a while, but uh, but yeah. Hey, we've done a fair bit of hunting already. So. You you said you're going to do some coyote hunting. What about wolves? We do have wolves, uh, more so in the forest, but uh, I've never hunted them. We chase we chase coyotes hard because they kill our deer. So that's kind of it's fun fun calling them, but it's just as much to kill deer. So now when so, yeah we when do you normally start ice fishing? Uh, a guy could probably. I mean, if you're brave and I'm not brave. crazy, you can probably start. <laughs> Me neither. But there, there is guys walking out usually by mid to late November onto most definitely small lakes, some of the big lakes, um, and usually by Christmas or shortly before yeah. Christmas, you can drive drive over most of the lakes. So there's no way in hell. What a cold sport! <laughs> <laughs> it's chilly for sure, but you know you get some of those. You get a few of those. Well, we say warm winter days, but man, there's nothing better than sitting on a lake. Fishing for the day, so oh, I can think so of a whole lot of things better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's a whole well, down there. You guys, are, you guys are still bird hunting down there, so that would be better, I guess. I just can't imagine sitting on my frozen fat ass on a lake fishing. I just don't. It's miserable to me. Enough whiskey. You got now. You give me a big hut with a TV inside of it and a wood burning stove. I can see that. That would be enjoyable and relaxing. <laughs> but just to go, I yeah. see those those videos and a guy sitting there and you can hear the wind howling and shit, and I thought. Fuck! There's got to be something better to do. Do y'all not have bowling yeah, alleys I mean, up there? <laughs> Shit! Oh man, you can can pay me up to sit in a bowling alley, but um, I don't know. I I draw the line at where the wind is blowing too hard. It fills your fills your hole with snow. That's where I draw the line. It's too windy to go fishing. But so that's your reason um, for not doing it when the wind's blowing is it blows snow in your hole. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, about just the poor being miserable. What are you thinking, Andy? Yeah, the miserable, huh? Yeah, it's gonna be too. Uh, you dress warm and, and hunker down, and I don't know. Maybe we're just desperate for things to do in the middle of winter. But Y'all are a tougher breed of people, that's for sure. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> do the women up there shave their legs in the winter? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I think most of them do. Okay, I just was curious. Uh, I don't know. When it comes down to survival, I might just let mine grow out. Yeah, well, we definitely throw a few more layers of clothing on, that's for sure. It's uh yeah. Y'all are some tough. Dude, this year, tough this people. year, this year is going to suck because we can't go, can't go somewhere warm and get out of this, get out of the cold for a few weeks. But oh, uh, I didn't even think about that. Most people go to Florida. Yeah, most people go to Florida, or Arizona for a few weeks. But no, we're stuck with it this year, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be rougher than we're used to, I think. But. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So, what do you do with your job this time of year? Like, whenever everything gets snowed in and locked up. 
Uh, I'm still trying to sign a few agreements here before before the end of our fiscal year. It'd be nice to, you know, we'll, we'll get a few more signed up. And then it's really just a matter of talking to farmers and, and trying to line up more potential programs for next year. So spend lots of time, lots of time on the phone, lots of time sending letters, just trying to get, basically get word of mouth about our programs out there to guys. Because even even though we've been working at it for a long time, there's the people that don't, don't know what we offer. So, um, so, we kind of we kind of have a general idea of what what we're going to be able to spend for money in the next few years. So we just try to try to get as much program lined up so we're not in a panic for it. I guess next year. So is this basically? I don't know if you know about our programs down here, but is this basically like the CRP program that America has? You pay farmers to let their field just be more like our wildlife uh, our WMPs down here. I think, but you pay the farmers a certain amount of money to. Planted in rye or grass or whatever. Similar, yeah. We uh, we have a forage program that kind of encourages people, encourages farmers to to feed their land to grass, or at least gives them some financial assistance to do that. And then our conservation easement program is a we pay them to keep that land in grass forever. Um, tame grass kind of has an expiry date. I would say you know ten or twelve years if they're hanging it often. So we do allow them to to break it and reseed it every every 10 years but for the most part um yeah we're paying them to keep that landing grass and water and it, we actually put a caveat on the land title that says it has to whether they sell that or or whatever so it's a one-time payment um that that theoretically protects that land forever now so. is it mostly older farmers that are that are getting into this program is it guys that may not have uh, uh somebody to take over their land or who's who's what's the um, typical farmer that signs up for these programs? There's a there's a wide range of guys doing it for different reasons. Uh, the the nice thing about our program when it comes to selling it is that people can still graze it or eat it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of young a lot of young cattle farmers get into it because they see it as you know they can sign if they have two or three quarters that would fit our easement program we can put an easement on those and they use that money to turn around and, and buy some more land and grow their operations. So so that's been for me, I've I've had a lot of success doing it that way, and and it's nice working with those young guys because once you start, you know, oftentimes you're getting one or two more quarter sections, uh, like 160 acres a year from those guys that just slowly adding more land. So mm-hmm. um, that's been, I mean, it's been a really it's been a really good way for DU to not only add more land to our program but also to, to help out farmers that are trying to grow theirs. So. Um, that's kind of kind of the guys I'm I'm looking at more than anything else. So. Um, so you said even if they sell it, it stays with Ducks Unlimited. Do most guys? Do, I mean, I, I would think that'd be a tough sell to. I think it'd be tough to unload the property once it's with Ducks Unlimited. Yeah, it's uh, basically our financial, like what we pay them, generally offsets what you'll lose and all. When you go to sell it, because okay. you're selling this pasture, like you're only selling it, you're either selling it to somebody that wants to hunt on it, um, because then they obviously like to have the pasture and the wildlife habitat, or you're selling it to another cattle rancher that that's going to farm it and do the same thing you were doing. So, so that's the other nice thing about working with young guys is that they're probably not going to sell it for sixty or seventy years, if yeah. ever. So, um, so they see it as, you know, I could I could sit on this land and do exactly what I am doing. 
um, for the next however many years and and not make the thirty percent back or whatever we pay them back. Or I can take I can take this money from ducks and, and either invest it into more land or collect interest on it or whatever. But uh but if you're not gonna let go of your land and, and our easement doesn't really affect how you're managing it, it's kind of a it's a good program. And most of the areas we're working in are generally not ideal for cropland anyway. So okay. that makes um, that makes more so it's sense. Good cattle, it's good cattle country. Yeah. Right. And for a cattle farmer that that's win win because you're getting paid to keep it in grass and you get to still get to graze your cattle, so it's a yeah, win win. And they want the water. They want the water out there too. So it, it is a win win. Like it's we've done we do the occasional program with uh with grain farmers too that, that don't plan to drain their water so we can do just pure wetland only conservation easements. And uh, and those wetlands are probably more at risk than the ones cow guys are using, but um, but they're also a tougher sell because it does it does lock those wetlands in where they can't be drained right. ten years down the road. So yeah, what happens if a if a if somebody dies and they're in this program and they don't have anybody to 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 give it to? Does it go to Ducks Unlimited? No, it uh, if it's sold in an estate transaction or. Or however it changes hands, the easement stays on it. So that's uh, that's something we discuss with you know with anybody that's doing an easement with us. It's like you know once this is signed, it it really shouldn't matter how it ever changes hands. Like it's going to have an easement on it. So um, whether it goes to the bank or or anybody, it's it's perpetual protection. So. Right. I didn't know because what was that thing that they have down here that Jerry Copeland was trying to get turned over. What do you mean? What thing? Oh, he was trying to do. Oh, it was a, it was a, it was a reverse mortgage. Is what I'm. Oh, kind that's of way off. Of. Well, no, it's kind of the same thing. It goes to the bank, and then if they die, you can't get it. You can't get it reversed. Yeah, you get it. Basically, they sell their house to the bank. They get to live there until they die. When they die, the bank gets the house. Right. So I yeah. didn't know if, if Ducks Unlimited had the same situation, like where they they do this, and then when you die, it just goes to Ducks Unlimited. I didn't know how they did it. Yeah. No, we we do get the occasional land donation, but. But as far as this easement program is concerned, it's uh, you know generally it's either it'll get it'll get passed on to somebody, so it just stays with the easement and and that's that. So well, that's easy enough. I, I guess it's not, yeah, it's not too uh, not too hard of a sale for for a lot of these guys. So that's good for you. When's your busy of, season? Uh, April to April to July is probably the busiest season, but we can we can pretty much sign. Agreements right till Christmas, so we're steady throughout the year. And then, like I say, after after that kind of shuts down, we just go back to to looking to stack some more projects up for the next year when we can start can start signing them again. So obviously, we like to see to see the projects before we sign agreements. So we actually like to put boots on the ground mm-hmm. at each one of them. But air photos are good enough that we have a fairly solid idea of, of what we're getting before we before we even get to the land. So worst comes to worst, we can, you know, I shouldn't, we, we generally see every one of the projects we sign before we, before we do it without snow on the ground. But, um, but if, if need be, we can, we can generally just go ahead with it with an air photo too. So. Well, you're, uh, you're, you're doing, uh, doing the Lord's work, saving our, uh, saving our breeding ground. So keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's always sad to see the ducks leave in the fall, but it's uh, it's also exciting knowing that we grew some of them right here. So it's uh, it's fun work for me for sure. 
Yeah, it really is. Well, uh, we're going to yeah. let you uh, go here and shit. I don't know. Have fun ice fishing, I guess. We'll try to stay warm anyway. <laughs> hey, Brad, we appreciate you being on here, bud. You have a great Thanksgiving uh, and best of wishes on your ice fishing. Yeah, thanks. I'll try to chase a few birds. Perfect. Guys. Yeah, do that. Push them our way. We need it. You betcha. See All you, right. bud. Thank you, sir. Interesting guy. Yeah, he's got, uh, like I said, he's building ducks. Another cool place to live, except for I don't think I can handle up there in it's a cool place to live until December, January, and February. March. No, I'd even I'd even bump it up. Second week of November. You think by then you'd be done? I think you get to about the tenth of November. Once Halloween's over, you're kind of like, okay, what's my exit strategy here? How do I get to Arizona? How do I get to Florida? How do I get to Texas? From South Dakota to the Arctic or, or to the tree line up there is a pretty neat place at times. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could live in the Dakotas year round. I could not live up there year round. I couldn't handle the winters. I don't know. We're too long and too cold. Anyways, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Thank y'all. Have a great weekend. It was opening weekend of duck season for us here in the High Plains, so we'll be shooting ducks on Saturday. Can't wait. Can't wait. Got a bunch of coon asses coming, so that'll be a good time. Hopefully, they're going to cook one night, aren't they? I think so. Don't get me to line. Some of that, what was it? King. Oh, crab king cake. cake? Boudin. Boudin king cake. Boudin king cake. That was the best. That was good shit. Mm. All right. Thank y'all. God bless y'all. Have a great, safe weekend. And as always, be sure to check out all of our great sponsors and use promo codes. Foul Bandits has a promo code. Migrations, you know what? Just go back to the beginning. Listen to them. Gundog has a promo code. Dirty Duck promo code. Pacific has a promo code. And J2 Ice Rippers. J2 Outdoors has a promo code. Big Honker. Listen, it looks like it's going to be an early winter. You need some fucking ice ripper. Also, check out Dive Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, Lucky Duck, Blue Glass Duck Club, and William and Chris Wines, and the 14 Cattle Company. Bye.